0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za Candle, If I wasn't invited to a particular event, if somebody has, has a meal or something and I wasn't invited, then that becomes a problem, and everybody begins to ask, "Why wasn't I invited?" Maybe doesn't. Maybe this person doesn't like me. Maybe they're offended with me. Uh, maybe they forgot about me. And for some or other reason, we want to find out why was it that I wasn't invited. And in the African context, that's one thing. But in the church, it's another thing, where we do have a special meal in the church, where only members of the church are invited to eat and drink in this communion meal. Of course, we don't we don't um, sideline anybody who wants to join in, you know, and enjoy the, the, the function with us, you know, be among us while we're having this meal. But of course, communion is a meal that only true believers celebrate because we are the only people who have a reason to celebrate this meal. It is about our Saviour. So today we're going to talk about communion, and I've called this this uh, sermon. Jesus meals with sinners, and the reason I've done that is because uh, over the last couple of years I've been thinking about a book that I read, and I can't get this book out of mind. Out of my mind, it's a book written by a guy called Craig Blomberg, and he's t- the title of his book is Contagious Holiness: Jesus Meals with Sinners, and it's amazing how Craig goes through the entire Bible. And he looks at every single meal in the Bible. And when I say every single meal, I mean he he analyzes every single meal that the Bible ever mentions. So you can imagine, it's quite a technical book, and especially in the beginning. But as, as he develops a picture of the meal, right throughout his book, suddenly by the time we see the Lord Jesus in the upper room with his disciples having that first communion meal, we suddenly realize the massive body of significance that is attached to the communion meal. And I know at Living Hope Church, we take, we've, historically, we've taken communion seriously. And you know, next week, we really, really, after this whole mess that COVID has brought in and all of the isolation and the mess up in our schedules and everything, we really want to get back to having proper communion meals together as a church. Where we can sit together and we can eat and we can fellowship and we can spend time together we can enjoy the unity in the body of christ and then we can have communion after our meal so we're looking forward to that uh, next week and that is a wonderful occasion because as we look at the way jesus meals with sinners develops in the bible throughout all of those meals we notice that throughout jesus meals One thing is obvious, and that is that Jesus cares for the outcast. Jesus cares for the person that nobody else notices. In fact, in Luke's gospel, more than any other gospel, Jesus cares for the outcast. We see him drawing in all kinds of people, and especially people that the religious elite are pushing away, saying, you don't match up, we don't want you here, we don't want to eat with the likes of you. So Jesus scandalously associates with people who are notoriously wicked notoriously wicked in other words they were famous for their wickedness everybody in town knew them and they couldn't believe that Jesus would associated uh, associate himself with somebody so wicked it's quite sad in the church how um, somebody asked me last week he was saying you know is it possible that somebody like me you know dirty like this, with dirty clothes, could come into the church. You know, should I go home and change first? And I said, no ways. You know, here you are. Just come in. We're not worried about if if you have dirty clothes coming into the church service. Jesus, Jesus associated with the notoriously wicked, but he was willing to feast with the scrupulous religious leaders as well. Not only did he associate associate with a person that had a terrible reputation in town, but he was able to go and sit when the Pharisees and all these pompous religious elite invited him to eat with them. He would go and eat with them. And normally by the end of that, that meal, he would say, yes, I'll come and eat with you. By the end of the meal, he knew that he was going to be rebuking them about something because he was trying to help them becoming become more human just to see reality around them that this pompous religion is not getting them anywhere but also at jesus meals at these meals with sinners see there's some kids counting this word meals eh? in case some of you didn't notice that's the word for today meals with sinners you can say I've, you can hear i've said it a lot of times already but he's also willing at these meals to associate with people in an intimate way. It's not just sitting down and scoffing some food and then getting up to go, looking at the clock, go, 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 we've got a a schedule to keep. About Jesus, there was a way of of dining with people where he was in no rush. He was in no rush to, to rush off to somebody else. While he was sitting there, he was with those people and that was all that mattered to him at that point. And that's one of the reasons why we like to have communion meals at this church, because then we're in no rush to go somewhere else. This is the only place where we want to be. In fact, if we all died right now, we'd like to die doing this very thing, wouldn't we? We'd like to be spending unrushed time with one another around the communion meal, enjoying the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine what it must have been like to have one of those meals with the Lord Jesus Christ, where He was. this is the Son of God. He's talking to you and, in his, and he's in no hurry to go somewhere else. Imagine that moment. Imagine the whole of God looking in your eyes and talking to you and caring about you and not, not being flustered about anything else around him. And I find that absolutely wonderful about Jesus' meals with sinners. While he continually calls them to repentance, he also accepts them These people around the table with him, he accepts them at the slightest sign of positive response rather than like the religious elite requiring this long period of probation where we'll see if you're okay. We'll see if we'll accept you into our community. No, Jesus jumped at the slightest sign that people were receiving him favorably. Jesus' manner, as Craig Blomberg says, could be described as contagious holiness. In other words, he knew that wherever he went, his holiness was going to rub off on other people rather than their depravity rubbing off on him. He was not afraid of being contaminated by other people. And I'm afraid it might happen in our churches sometimes that we're afraid of being contaminated by people who live wicked lives. But that's not possible for us as believers if we have the Spirit of God living in us. Our whole job, our whole job as the Lord Jesus Christ shows, is to be the one who, you know, it's not the sick who need the doctor. I mean, it's not the, the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And the church is for sick people, sick in sin, and who need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's wonderful to see Jesus going out into places where the Pharisees were like, you can't go in there. Like on the night that they betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ and handed him over and they didn't want to go into Herod's house because they didn't want to be defiled by this Gentile. They don't want to step over into the door of a Gentile's house because that will make me dirty. But Jesus goes and he eats with the most wicked people who are well known in town. Jesus meals with sinners turns our attention to the great marriage supper of the Lamb in addition so every time we sit, with a, sit and enjoy a communion meal, we're thinking this may be the last communion meal before we sit at the table with Jesus Himself. And as we pass that cup around from mouth to mouth at that table, what a moment to know that I'm drinking out of the cup that the great Son of God Himself has drunk out of. What an honor. What a privilege to know that the day will come when we'll sit with the Lamb. So no wonder Jesus is described as a glutton and a drunkard. If he keeps going out and drinking, going to all these parties that people are having, of course he doesn't go to party. He goes with a purpose. He goes with this contagious holiness. So the author of this book says that Jesus maintained a consistent table fellowship with sinners. And that's amazing. Some people have called that the whole core of his ministry. In fact, Sometimes I've thought about this and I've said to myself if I really want to spend good quality time with somebody else What does that good quality time look like and? Ultimately if you think about this for some time ultimately ends up you and me sitting at a table and eating together. I mean meals are important aren't they and Isn't it amazing that of all of the means Jesus could have chosen all of the means the great son of God could have chosen to be remembered by, he chose a simple meal, that we do every single day, we eat every single day, and he chooses this very, very common thing, that we do every single day, but he attaches to that very simple thing, that we do every day, he attaches memorable fellowship. So ordinary, but so amazing at the same time. And I think it's true, that you and I, if, if we think back on some of our most fantastic memories we have in life, we think of the things that we long for the most, we look back and say, oh yeah, I remember that day, remember that time, you know, when we were here or we did that, and you remember some of your favorite memories, you'll probably find that as you look back, some of those favorite memories are made up of the most ordinary little things. You know, it was a particular meal that you, it was cooked in a particular way while you were eating with a particular person. And you're like, wow, that makes these haunting memories over the decades of your life. And that's exactly the way communion should be for us. We should look back and say those, like some of us do when we were at the earlier communion services we used to have in this church. We look back and we say, wow, man, those were the days, man. Those were days where we had beautiful communion, beautiful togetherness. You know, it felt like we just keep keep going on and on and felt like nobody wanted to leave. It felt like we all just wanted to move in to Susan and Randy's house, <laughs> didn't it say? I mean, those of you who were there, you remember, it was wonderful. And that was it was ordinary. We were just together in the same way. We were eating together. There was a There was a a consistent table fellowship with sinners, Jesus, meeting with us, and it was wonderful. But it turned out to be an ordinary thing, ordinary and wonderful at the same time. So by sharing this meal, we demonstrate that we also share in those wonderful moments that Jesus used to make this an ordinary meal special. We enjoy the meal together, but we're also enjoying the grace of God together. Some big thing that God has given us, some big thing God has given us to attach to an ordinary meal that we call communion. So, with those, with those thoughts from that book, I hope maybe some of you will be interested enough, as, we, as I've just given you some ideas of what this book is like, to go and read this book. Um, Beware, it is a bit technical You know, it's not all that devotional But toward the end the, The end of the book Sort of surges and surges And finally it makes that book so worth reading It's really beautiful Craig Blomberg's book Contagious Holiness Jesus Meals with Sinners So let's ask the question For us here at Living Hope Church Why do we observe communion? Why do we even do this? Why do we sit around a table? Why do we eat this Uh, Bread and drink this wine or this grape juice that is in front of us We're not even going to discuss whether it should be wine or grape juice because it's a non-issue biblically speaking Long as it's from the fruit of the vine. We have no issue But the reason why we observe communion as a family meal in this church is simply because Jesus Christ commanded it He told us as he instituted the first meal do this in remembrance of me and in Matthew 26 Reading from verse 26, Matthew 26 and reading from verse 26. (coughs) We read Matthew writing, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples. Saying, take and eat, this is my body. Verse 27, then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in in my Father's kingdom. I mean, just just read those those few verses and you realize how big this is. From an ordinary meal, while they were eating, just like we do all the time, Jesus institutes this command. He says to his disciples... Drink this, do this, you know, eat this bread, drink this cup. And then, of course, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, 23, Paul um, restates this command. And he says in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said... This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's that word again. Remember, 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 remember. Just the way that we remember our favorite memories. Verse 25 says, In the same way, after supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this drink, Uh, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So remembering and proclaiming. Remembering and proclaiming. Just like in baptism, we are proclaiming something. We're proclaiming that God has already done a great work in the heart of that individual. In communion, we are proclaiming as well. We're proclaiming we have a Savior. We have a Savior who died for us. We have a Savior who was buried. And God accepts The sacrifice that our Savior made, and He proves that by raising Him from the dead. We proclaiming that to the world, this is fact. This is not a fairy tale, this is not a fantasy story. So it's a remembrance and a proclamation feast to be observed regularly, again and again and again. And isn't that wonderful? It brings us into the upper room with the Lord Jesus Christ Himself at that intimate meal And He's saying to us Alan do this so you can remember me remember me by this don't forget me remember me Don't forget me remember me and I'm sure as the events of that evening began to unfold The disciples after that they had so much more to remember the Lord Jesus by they were almost like Lord We don't know what you're doing we don't know why you, you know, doing this strange thing. You know, breaking the bread and saying all of, no, all of you eat it, and here taking the cup, all of you drink it, making sure that they all drank. Lord, this is a bit strange, but we'll do it because you you say so, and then suddenly. After Jesus is crucified the next morning, and he dies, and he he's in the grave on, until the third day, and he rises from the dead, and suddenly, as they see the risen Christ, and he explains all of this, imagine how precious that one last meal with Jesus became to them. And then they had something to remember. They This was the night before he gave himself for us. Imagine those moments, how precious that meal became to them. So... When we observe communion, we're doing it because we are obeying the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, as we look at communion, we've got to ask ourselves, what does this communion meal mean? As Jesus has these meals with sinners, that's us, what does it mean? You know, what is the whole point of it? So there's two things that we do, and at the top they are written by by communion, we symbolize and remember And we symbolize and we remember so many different things. We proclaim different things and we remember different things. So what is the first thing that we symbolize and remember in communion? The first thing that we symbolize and remember is Jesus' death, the, the death of the Lord Jesus. As we've already said, how precious that last meal must have been for the disciples as the Lord Jesus Christ is betrayed He's actually convicted of something that he never did and he's crucified and he's actually put to death and and he's placed in a grave and he's dead so as we remember the Lord Jesus Christ in his death we remember those moments as the disciples leave that upper room still with a taste of the bread and the and the wine in their mouths and they go across the Kidron Valley into the Mount of Olives with their Lord and we can imagine how heavy the heart of the lord jesus christ is as he goes onto the mount of olives, olives into the garden of gethsemane and as we've spoken about here before we see the lord jesus christ becoming burdened and heavy in that garden and he's sweating so much that the pigmentation of his blood is mixing with his sweat and his sweat is dropping And it looks like blood, it's staining his garments, and his clothes are dripping wet in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's on his face on the ground, falling and falling and falling on the ground, and calling out to his Father in heaven, saying, Lord, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken from me, please take it away. But if it's not possible, Father, I will go through with this whole terrifying scene. I will go through this terrible judgment that you're about to pour out on me. I will go through with this terrible, terrible crucifixion that lies ahead of me. I will go through all of the shame associated with being stripped naked and being flogged and mocked by these soldiers. I will go through the the terrible agony of being treated as if I committed every single one of the sins that my people are ashamed of committing. And he will go step by step, and he will surrender himself to that terrible death of the cross. And he will come to the point where he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lord, this is taking so long. The suffering just feels like it's never going to end. How much more is there in that great lake of the wrath of God? And we remember as the, the hours of darkness begin to come to an end, And the great Lord Jesus Christ realizes that the suffering is coming to an end and he calls out in a loud voice it is finished and he pillows his head and he gives up his spirit into the hands of his father. We remember that. We remember the nails. We remember the blood pouring out of his side as the soldier rams the spear through him to make sure that he's truly dead. We remember the words, the gracious words that he spoke on the cross. Father, forgive them. They are absolutely clueless. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what this whole thing is all about. We remember Jesus gasping as the soldier climbs up on a stool to hammer a sign above his head. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And even as that soldier can feel the dying breath of the Lord Jesus Christ on his cheek, He's unmoved by the scene that is playing out before him. And we remember our Jesus hanging there, deliberately mocked and scorned. And as we drink and we eat, the bread reminds us of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ broken. We remember the actual physical process of his death. And this word remember is an interesting word because it speaks about a, a systematic process of calling to memory all of these details. So what I love to do when I think about this is I love to just follow Jesus on the journey. I love to follow Jesus in my mind as he carries the cross along that Via Dolorosa. I love to just hear, try and listen to the sounds. What would it sound like, this man carrying this cross down these streets, gasping for air after all of that blood loss and infection, the, the dehydration? The the hours and hours without sleep. All of his disciples deserting him. The religious elite falsely accusing him. Just think of all of the tragedy of that, following him all the way up into Golgotha, where they crucify him. I like to listen to Jesus as the darkness falls, and you hear the sounds of his breathing, and you hear the gracious words that are coming from his mouth. I like to hear him calling out, it is finished. And I like to hear him saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And I like to hear him, I listen to Jesus' last breath. And I think to myself, God, this is the most terrifyingly sorrowful event in all of history. But at the same time, it brings me such joy. I cannot even contain the joy in my own heart that Jesus did actually die. And when Jesus died, I die. God sees me as dying for my sins in Jesus. My sins are done forever and ever as Jesus breathes his last breath. God sees that as me breathing my last breath, having suffered all of the penalty for my sin. So in communion, we remember it. And I think if we forget that, we've missed, we've missed the whole moment of communion. Imagine Jesus sitting at the upper room with his disciples and saying to them, Eat this bread. And they have no idea what's going to play out in the next couple of hours. They don't know about the tearing of his flesh. They don't know about the punching and the scourging, the mocking, pulling out his beard. They don't know about the nails that are going to be tearing through his hands and through his feet. They don't know about the spear that's going to tear through his side. But Jesus is is preparing them for all of that. And how precious the chewing of that bread, the tearing of that bread, becomes after Jesus has experienced all of those things. And the wine. How little did it mean to them before they saw the blood of Jesus, even in His sweat dripping from His robes, even in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as John sees the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on the cross and Jesus says to him, you know, to, to Mary and John, you know, you treat each other like mother and, and son now. It meant so much more. So when we remember our Lord's death, it's a process of calling to mind all of these details so that they are precious to us again. So they can become precious to us again. So we have moments where we can close our eyes and think of Jesus and he can become dear to us because in our week... When we're not at the communion table, we just keep rushing, we keep moving, we keep thinking of other things. And we forget about Jesus. What a one! What wonderful wisdom we see in God, giving us this one meal where we can sit together and think about nothing else but Jesus. Call to mind all of these details so that Jesus becomes precious to us again. And we say this week, God help me to remember Jesus. God help me to remember the aroma of this meal as Jesus goes out into the garden of Gethsemane after that meal the aroma of that meal is with them. They remember that the closeness the intimacy But not only do we remember our Lord's death, but we also remember We participate in our Lord's death that his death is not just the death that we see on the cross It's a death that each of us is involved in These disciples didn't know that Jesus was about to die as them as John is standing there with Mary seeing Jesus gasping for air on the cross and as he takes takes the effort to speak to them and And care about their living conditions. He doesn't know that he's breathing his last breaths as him He's breathing his last breaths as me on the cross He's dying as me and it's interesting in Matthew 26 verse 26 and 27 our text um, when Jesus had uh, broken the bread in verse 26, he gave it to his disciples. Those were the, the people who, that he wanted in this meal. It wasn't just a gathering like the gathering of the 5,000 where he just, he just gave bread to everybody who happened to be there. This was an intimate meal where he gave this bread particularly to his disciples. It was an intimate sort of invitation only kind of meal. It's a precious intimate meal. And then also in verse 27, as he offers the cup, he says, Drink from it, all of you. Each one of you and all of you, every single one of you, drink from this cup. It was important that they drank from this cup, each one of them, because this cup was significant to them. By eating and drinking, we remember that Christ's death was not just a death, Christ's death was for me and as me. And as I see Jesus suffering on the cross, I can see what I would have been doing if God had punished me for my sins. And what a wonderful thing a man is found. Remember as John in the Revelation is standing there in front of the throne of God. And he's weeping and he's weeping because no one is found who was qualified To open the scroll in the hand of the one who's sitting on the throne and he's weeping in heaven. He's calling out, he's bawling, you know, he's wailing in heaven. And the angel comes to him and says, do not weep. Don't cry, John. Why? I mean, this is a tragedy. If no one can open the scroll, it's a tragedy. Don't weep. Because somebody's been found who's worthy to open the scroll. Who is that? It's the great Lord of glory went all the way to the cross who suffered and died as his people and he rose from the dead in glorious victory and he is able because of that because he died and rose again to open that scroll and because of his qualifications he raises every single one of us up as his people as a believer in the Lord Jesus he raises you up to that position of glory we are hidden with Christ in God, you know, with Christ, in God. What a glorious reality. So we participate in his death as we eat and drink at the communion. We part- remember that we participate It's not just a man that we worship. It's a man doing that as me. And I say, thank you, God, that I, I was, you see me as having died on that cross with Jesus. And then the third thing that we remember is that this is for each one of us. Remember, he said, drink from it, all of you, each one of you. And cumulatively, as we sit and look at one another, I remind myself, my brother Martin, Jesus died as him. Jesus died as me. So how could I ever look at my brother Martin or anybody else in this church and say, man, you know, I have a problem with you. Because we both, we both hopeless sinners. Rescued by the same Savior, we rejoice in the same things. Absolutely ruined in sin. And yet this man comes forward, the God-man. And as we reach out for the bread, and as you reach out for the bread, and as you reach out for the bread, we're all taking of this bread, and we're all looking at each other, saying, Wow, are we not so grateful for this glorious Savior that rescued every one of us who is partaking of this meal? I find that wonderful. I find it absolutely wonderful that as, as I lift that bread to my mouth and you see me doing that, I'm seeing you do that as well. And we're all saying this thing together. Praise God that we're all together on this intimately in this meal. And God has done this in Jesus Christ for every single one of us. As I see all of my brothers and sisters' hands reaching for the bread and the wine and lifting it to their mouths, I'm not only saying, God, thank you for doing this for me. I'm saying, God, thank you for doing it for each person here that I love so dearly that I'm going to spend the rest of eternity with. What a wonderful reality. What a wonderful moment of bringing about togetherness. And you remember, that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 is so strong about his warning about taking communion in an unworthy way saying, I know I have a problem with this person in the church, but I'm going to eat and drink because I'm okay with Jesus. But but I'm not okay with you. You know, you've made a problem for me. I'm not going to be okay with you. I mean, it's so bizarre. The one who's been forgiven so much must be the one who loves so much, who goes out and says, it doesn't matter what issue I have with you. Because we've been forgiven so much, I want to pour out my love on you as my brother or sister in Christ. We're eating the same bread, we're drinking the same cup. That means we're together, we're both losers, who've been rescued by a great Savior, the great winner. So it brings unity. Communion is a wonderful moment for... For saying, God, please forgive me for sitting against this person or that person. Before you even come to communion, you say, I'm going to do this together. We're going to be together on this. And if I have an issue with somebody in the church, God help me to go to that person and deal with that issue so we can be united. So as we sit around the communion table, we can say, I love every one of my brothers and sisters in this place. I don't have an issue with anybody else. So eating or drinking. Without acknowledging the body of Christ is the warning. It's without acknowledging that God has purchased this person as well as me, and this person as well as me, and that person as well as me, and we are together on this. There should be unity between us in this statement. And you remember, Paul really warns believers of eating and drinking without acknowledging the body of Christ, and saying some of you are sick and some of you have even died. As a result of this, it is entirely possible that you can die as a result of eating communion without acknowledging the body of Christ. In other words, acknowledging that we're all doing this together and therefore I should not be hostile with some other because Jesus is not hostile toward me. His love is poured out on me, so my love must be poured out on others. Every true believer is purchased by Christ. So as Christ uh, Christ cherishes every believer that he has purchased by his blood, I must cherish every one of those believers as well. It stands to reason, doesn't it? I mean, that's the way... Imagine how weird it would be for us to be hostile with each other while individually trying to enjoy the fact that Christ is not hostile with us. In fact, he loves us, but I can't love you. Weird, weird logic, man. What a tragedy for an issue to break unity between those who have been forgiven so much. So that's the the third thing. We remember our Lord's death. Secondly, we remember that we participate in His death. It's not just Him dying, we're participating in that. And thirdly, we remember that because we all participate in the Lord's death... We should be at unity with one another. We, we are united in this one thing. This is the one thing that holds believers together on this whole planet. Is that we all believe the same thing. We have one Savior who has done one thing for us. And he's called us together to live in unity with one another. And then fourthly, we remember, we, we symbolize and we remember, we call to mind our need for spiritual nourishment. You know, just as we were saying earlier about the fact that God has been so wise in granting us communion so that we can just for one moment, just this one short period of time, we can cast our minds back to Jesus and our whole perspective of the world can be reset. So when we speak about our spiritual nourishment, that's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I need this to remember Jesus just as I eat bread. And as I drink the cup, just like we eat food and we drink everything else in order to nourish ourselves so we can keep living, we're saying, God, I need this just like I need my daily food. If I stopped eating in a day, if I stopped eating for a week or a month, I would be dead. And God, it's like that. If I stopped doing this, I would be dead. If I stopped remembering Jesus, I would be dead. I wouldn't be able to survive. My life would be a mess. So by eating and drinking, we remember that we feed from Christ daily in total dependence. Remember how graphic the Lord Jesus became in John chapter 6. I won't read the whole thing, but he, in verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Obviously, he's not talking about eating Jesus But he's saying feeding on Jesus in such a way that Jesus is your life Nothing else matters if you took Jesus out of my life. I would have absolutely no reason left to live There's nothing left. Nothing would interest me He's saying Jesus must be everything as you need food to survive. You need Jesus to survive Jesus should be everything for you. So as we eat and drink at communion Remember, God, I need you for spiritual nourishment. I need to have this moment just to think of you again because I'm so prone to wander all over the place in my thinking. And then next, we symbolize and we remember that Christ loves me. What a beautiful reality this is. That this is communion that we enjoy is one of Jesus' many, many, many meals with sinners. And they symbolize and they remind us of the full extent of His love demonstrated by what we see in His suffering. If you are reading your circumstances during the week, if calamity strikes in your life, if things begin to go wrong, one of the first things that you are tempted to do is to say, I wonder if God still loves me. I wonder if God even cares for me. I wonder if God's forgotten about me. So communion is one of those meals that reminds you, yes, God loves you. How do I know? Look at Calvary. Look at Jesus. Hear the breath of Jesus. Look at the Father planning this from eternity past. Trillions upon trillions upon trillions upon trillions of years where God is intending good for you, and because of that he creates a universe. Because of that he creates a whole human family tree. Because of that, he makes a tree where you can be born and where you can live and at the perfect time He calls you into, your, into His family and what do we say? Oh, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if God loves me. Communion is the time to remind you yes, God absolutely does love you as you follow Christ all the way as He's condemned to die and as He dies on the cross and as He goes into the grave and as He rises again you say God absolutely loves me. Look what He did for me. Look what the Son of God did for me. So if you're re- reading your circumstances that believing that Jesus no longer loves you, remember what communion is telling you. What a, what a wonderful moment to come back to a, a real sense of reality. Eh? To say, this is real, man. This is, this is real life. My misinterpretations of the world are not real life. It's a fake. It's, it's a distortion of reality. Communion brings me back to reality. Reality. And then the next thing we remember, not only do we remember Jesus' death, not only do we remember our participation in Jesus' death, not only do we remember our unity as believers because of our participation in Jesus' death, not only do we remember our need for spiritual nourishment, and not only do we remember that Christ loves me personally, John 13 verse 1, he now showed them the full extent of his love in what he did, But we also remember that Christ reserves all of the blessings of salvation for me. And this, this I'm telling you is absolutely wonderful. This intimate meal is not just about eating and drinking together and us feeling happy now. This has to do with the fact that this is just a symbol of all of the massive glories and beauties that the Lord Jesus Christ's obedience to his father has purchased for us. We not only remember Christ's sufferings, but we remember that his suffering earned hope for every one of his people. We remember that as Christ came surging out of the grave, so will I come surging out of the grave. And I sit at communion with tears in my eyes because of what Jesus suffered. I also sit at communion with tears in my eyes because of the glories of of the fact that a weak little person like me is gonna come blasting out of the grave and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be raised incorruptible. Absolutely perfect and glorious as Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, is perfect and glorious. As Christ ascended in unspeakable glory, not only will I rise from the grave, but I will ascend into glory and be incorruptible with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Never, an, not another tear will fall from my eye. I remember that as Jesus sits down at the great wedding feast of the Lamb, another meal of Jesus with sinners, another of Jesus' meals with sinners, I will be there. I will be sitting at that table with Jesus and I will look on Him. These eyes of mine will look at Jesus and I will see Him in His flesh. And I will eat and I'll drink at that table. I will be there. And as I take communion, it's hard for me to contain the moment where I say to myself, this may be the last communion before I sit at that table with all of my brothers and sisters in Christ in full joy, escaping from the misery of this world forever and ever. I will be there. That's what communion tells me. I will be there. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 26, the last verse we're looking at. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when i drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom next time jesus next time i see jesus drinking wine or fruit from the vine it's going to be i'm going to be there with him in person we talk about getting a clear perspective of this world at communion that is going to be the clear perspective of everything isn't it When I'm suddenly sitting with Jesus and I see this whole world, when I see the whole history of the world and I put everything into perspective, when we put all of our sufferings in this world into perspective, all of our joys, all of the wealth, all of the poverty, all of the political ideology, everything that is happening in this world, in a moment we'll see things clearly and we'll realize this is what lasts. This is what's real. This is what matters. Sitting with a God man and eating and drinking with him is going to be the thing that lasts and is significant forever and ever. We will become glorious members of God's eternal family. Members of the household of God. We're enjoying the start of that right now in a communion meal. And then, of course, finally, the final thing we remember is that If all of these things are true, we remember the Lord's death, our participation in His death, the unity of believers as a result, our need for spiritual nourishment, remembering that Christ loves me, remembering that all of His blessings are still reserved for me. I obviously respond in faith. I remember that this calls me to be a person who says, Yes, Lord, God help me, God use me. God, I'm a helpless individual in this world. Grab me. That's a helpless hand that is taking the bread. You know what I mean? It can hardly even break this bread. A helpless hand that is taking this cup and saying, God, I'm so weak and insignificant and helpless. God help me. God help my life to have consequence. God help me to depend on you. God help me to be filled with sorrow because I'm so hard-hearted. God help me to see Jesus on the cross and to be moved by that. God helped me not only to be moved by that sorrow, but helped me to be moved by joy. God helped me by faith to see how all of this is so real in this world, and this can drive me and motivate me on a daily basis. God helped me to see how beautiful communion is. God helped me to see how precious it is where Jesus has meals with sinners in this age and in the age to come. And we can conclude by saying Jesus... Goes against the the expectations of self-righteous religious people and he eats with sinners What an amazing thing he is not defiled by them rather. He calls them to himself as Jesus prepares to die for the sinners. He loves He has a meal with them and he tells them to have a meal like this again and again until he returns in glory to take every one of them and all who have been saved away to eternal glory So in communion, we remember and proclaim that Jesus died He died for us his people That as our Lord loves each one of us. So we also love each other That we are totally dependent on Christ that Christ still loves us that all of the blessings Christ purchased for us are still reserved for us Because communion Jesus meals with sinners means so much we respond in faith and we abandon ourselves again to his wonderful intentions for us, his people. We're going to enjoy communion now. We're going to have a, a small communion before our big communion next week. And we're just going to take some time to remember this while these thoughts are fresh in our minds. Let's, help, let's ask God as we, as we begin to enjoy this few moments of thinking about the Lord Jesus. Let's help, ask God to help us. To remember Jesus in sorrow and in joy help it ask God to help us to to remember that we are all part of this that we're all family and let's help let's just prepare ourselves as we get ready to do this to do this with the right heart with the right attitude and just just that warning again please if you're not if you're not sure that you're truly saved rather just don't take the bread and the wine for your own safety and, um, and rather just enjoy this moment as, as those who have been saved by the grace of God enjoy this wonderful feast together. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful again for the moments that we can enjoy in communion. And we're so amazed by your wisdom, Lord, that you've taken something so simple Something so ordinary, uh, uh, just an ordinary meal that we do every day. We just eat and drink every day in order to survive. Yet you've made this so beautiful. You've taken it in communion for the church and you've made it so beautiful. You've given us a moment to just to stop and to do that which we don't often find a moment to do during the week. And just focus only on Jesus. Scraping off all of the thoughts about the outside world that presses us down. That demands our attention All of the spreadsheets All of the the shift work all of the problems with vehicles and income problems with other people problems of being tired and worn out from uh, working hard problems in family problems in business problems everywhere Lord, I pray that you would help us just to stop for a few moments and remember Jesus in his dying agony on the cross. And help us, Lord, we pray, to be people who are truly, people who are, whose lives are completely about Christ, people who are taken up with Christ and long for Christ more than anything in this world. Lord, as we hand out the bread and the, and the wine now, I pray that you would help us to prepare our hearts for this. We pray these things in Jesus' lovely name.